Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. This is your host, Tracy Doherty. In the last episode, we had the privilege, the pleasure of hearing from Jill from Brazil, and she played an active role in the Freedom Challenge beginnings. She and I reflected on those early days saying, and really just saying, look what the Lord has done in these 10 years. We have another outstanding woman whose guidance and wisdom were foundational from day one. Her name is Saria, and she is one of the pioneering voices in the creation story of the Freedom Climb, now the Freedom Challenge. It's an honor to welcome Saria, and I've been really looking forward to this conversation. It's the first time that I've actually had one with her, but I can't wait to learn and listen to her wisdom, to her stories, and to her impression of the Freedom Challenge and how it began. So, Saria, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about you. Hi, Tracy. What a pleasure to join all of you today. So, basically, I am married to Kun Skolz. I'm a mother and I'm a missionary. And where are you actually calling in from? Yeah, that is wonderful. All the way from South Africa, the bottom of the continent of Africa. I live about roughly 125 miles, can you imagine, from the southernmost tip of the continent. So <laughs> I, I I really, um, I've been able to go there once before, beautiful, beautiful land. And it sounds like you are living in some pretty beautiful land. You know, they call it the Eden Municipality or Eden County. And um, it really is very beautiful. In the beginning, I thought, nah, you know, wow, why would anybody call it Eden? You know, there's only one Eden. And then I got here and I thought maybe, just maybe it's possible to have another one. (laughs) I imagine you with a garden as you're speaking. Do you have a garden? Yes, a beautiful one. Oh, my mo- my mother and I are actually just starting a garden. So, hey, at some other point in time, I might get a few tips from you because you live in Eden County. That's pretty fabulous. So tell me a little bit about what you're currently doing. Yeah, my husband and I um, pioneered a new missions organization in 2016 called Ethnos Movement International. It's very grassroots, nimble. Um, My husband especially sensed a whole new world about to emerge. And you can just imagine our hearts when 2020 and lockdown and COVID-19 happened. um, Mm. we, We were just really aware that God wanted us to pioneer a new strategy. Um, The sons of Issachar has always been um, a tribe that we have... um, 
really looked into because they discerned the times they were living in. And it's been a desire of mm. our hearts, you know, to likewise discern the times. So it has been a very pioneering seven years. Mm. Yeah. And what times we are living in and God needs people who are willing to really dive in and walk in that kind of level of knowing and hearing. So I honor you for that. I'd love to hear a little bit about you, like your your journey of faith, what what other kinds of things your hands have been put to in your in your life. Um, talk a little bit about that. Um, I really love Jesus, and I am so honored to have had a saintly grandmother in my life. I um. I often say I think they are the most dangerous, but also the most unestimated, mm. um, underestimated people on the planet. Um, I have a passion for high schoolers. I'm a teacher by profession. And um, I think in the years that we um, pioneered a new missions mobilizing movement in Zambia, um, we... Uh, I felt uh, that that the children was very much on my heart, as well as the mothers, but especially um, the teaching profession. You know, being a teacher by profession, I mm. uh, I really worked with the kids, and we actually started just before we left a teachers training college, which was really exciting, but also very much hard work, but very rewarding as well. Hmm. You know, something that I notice about you is, and, and you know, hearsay, is that so many of the things that you've put your hands to by faith have lasted. And there's something really remarkable about leaders who the work that they do outlasts their legacy, you know, their life and their legacy and their leadership. I mean, I really think that is legacy when things outlast your life and um, leading. So I, I know that this teacher training is still existing. So many things um, continue on, including the Freedom Challenge. But before we do that, I, I have a specific question for you. I, you love children, but I'd love to hear more about your family and children. I know that you have some children, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I love, like all mothers who speak about the kids, sadly. Um, <laughs> um, we have two biological children and um, the mm. youngest is going to be 21 in a month at the end of this month, actually. Mm. But it all started when my husband and I, even before we got married, spoke about the possibility of adopting. And we were both mm. very keen, but we kind of forgot about it. And three years into our marriage, we we're in a very small village in Zambia when a young boy approached us and asked help to put him back into school. And a relationship started with him. And lo and behold, he became our first adopted child, Christopher. Wow. And from there on, it just, it really escalated. Um, we ended up in the end with nine biologic, nine adopted kids, um, two biological wow. and five in foster care. So those were very busy years, but beautiful years, very exciting, very rewarding, um, busy households and um, 
and just I have the most amazing memories from that season. Hmm. Yes. Your quiver is certainly full and curious about the saintly grandmother you're talking about. Are you a grandmother yet? Yes, I am. But Mm -hmm. I must confess, there are so many grandkids, you know, it's hard to keep count. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, I'm a first-time grandmother, too. My first grandchild was born just a month ago. So I pray that you and I, I have a feeling that we both are this dangerous, underestimated person on the planet. Saintly grandmothers. I, I, I'm I grabbing hold of that. Okay. Well, I, as I said earlier, I've just heard so many testimonies and stories about the Freedom Challenge over the years, just people who have been involved at various times, but your name quite often pops up and you are often the common denominator. So you've deeply influenced and shaped these early days and have had a very significant hand in the forging and forming of this movement. And I'm really intrigued to hear more from your mouth how it all began. I think there's always this moment in everything we do where we say yes. I want to know about your yes in 2012. You know, um, it is so... So interesting because 2012 started for me in 1999 when my husband and I went to live in the second most remote town in the northern province of Zambia. And within a month, one month of our arrival, Congolese refugees just, they just, about 20,000, between 20 and 40,000 came over the border and they haphazardly, the UN had to put a refugee camp together. And we were just really working very hard in those days alongside everybody else just to accommodate and help and speak into these people's lives. But I was always skimming the horizon. I believe I'm an adventurer at heart. And while I was body and soul present in the refugee camp, I would sometimes pour over the maps and I would see Lake Tanganyika and I would be dreaming of one day visiting. And then my eye caught Kilimanjaro. And I remember my husband was just like, oh, you know, Shame. This poor man, he married this adventurer and he he's such an, um, uh, you know, God has said and God has called us to do. And then his wife forever wants to go off on an adventure. But what is so beautiful about this is within five years, we put a boat on Lake Tanganyika along the lake shore. And within 10 years, we climbed Kilimanjaro and I always think back uh, and I think, God, you are just awesome because I believe that the inception of any great lasting idea is when God plants the seed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And the lasting idea in Lake Tanganyika, it's still going and thriving. And guess what? We're climbing Kilimanjaro yet again for the 10-year anniversary of the Freedom Challenge. So I agree with you. It's the seed that God plants in our fertile hearts, our hearts that are tender. And then we partner with him to both water and 
you know, toil and all the things, the partnerships that make this partnership come alive, which is exactly what happened in your case and in the case of Freedom Challenge. I know that you had a very special connection with Kathy Anderson. And for those of you who are listening, you um, would want to know that Kathy Anderson had this initial vision while she was climbing Mount Whitney about what it would look like to combine overcoming the fear of the mountain and heights with an awareness for women around the world to overcome their own fears, but bring awareness to the oppression of women and children, raise funds, and then send those out for good, meaningful work. So that's who Kathy was. She just had this small idea, but it wasn't until that the Holy Spirit planted, but God had already been working in so many other people, including you. So I want to hear about, you know, maybe what some of those early conversations or memories and planning and preparing for that climb is, maybe even a significant memory of Kathy in this journey. Yeah. You know, um, I have to just honor my husband here because he was in the States. I was at home with the kids and um, he went to visit Mark and Kathy and he had a real special connection with Kathy's story of wanting to climb Kilimanjaro. And just because of all the reasons that you shared now about Mount Whitney and making it count and always that desire in Kathy to never to journey alone. Sometimes I think she was an African. You know, we have the proverb that... um if you want to travel fast, you go alone. But if you want to travel far, you go with other people. That is was so like Kathy. And my husband was just mm-hmm. really on fire. And he sent me a message from the US. Do you still want to climb Kili? And I was thinking, what in the world, you know? Um, I have no context. But I didn't ask any questions. I just <laughs> gave him one word back. Yes in capital letters. And I really didn't know what I was signing up, what I was saying yes to. I eventually found out as all of the stories came out. So it was for me a real privilege. Once I met Kathy in person, she came all the way to Zambia. She loved Africa. Um, And I think I was blown away immediately by her humility and there was a quiet spirit within her. And... um, she she left, you know, and then now we started this conversation. Mm. And it was, you know, there was nothing. So it was a lot of pioneering involved. There was a lot of having to sass out details and make decisions and making a road where there was none. And I remember the one thing that stood out for me was that Kathy did not sweat the small stuff. And it is a phrase that has become part of our household, one that my kids will often hear me say. Mm. Um, yeah. I have actually another memory of Kathy. I've got a couple. But I think when we finally climbed the mountain, somehow the two of us ended up at Kilman's. You know, there are three peaks at the top, Woman's is kind of the first one. Then you get Stella. It's about 200 meters higher and then mm-hmm. another 100 and something um, meters higher was uh, is, is Uhuru. 
But Kathy never continued to tell us because somebody in her team felt sick and she felt, well, then we're all going to turn around. And I was told I'm not allowed to continue. So there I was sitting right next to Kathy. And we looked at these climbers, all together, 40-odd women, like ants, slowly progressing to Uhuru. You know, every breath is just... Oh, difficult and hard, you walk slow, it's pole pole, you're all familiar, or many of you are. And Kathy was so humble, I realized that all of this activity on the roof of Africa, the highest freestanding mountain in the world, was because of something God planted in her heart, something which my husband recognized and was excited about. And he just rallied people around Kathy. Um, but within Kathy, she was just this humble, unassuming mm. woman. And I thought, honestly, there is no striving in her. And that was something that I really emulated. There was that was something that I really admired, her availability for God. And um it's something which I often look back on, often think about. Mm. This imagery that you're giving me, I feel like I'm sitting next to the two of you. And I know this vision of slowly, slowly walking like little ants, quietly with heavy feet, heavy lungs, depending on you know, the Holy Spirit to give you that breath to continue. So I, I, I can feel this whole moment with you. And to echo something you said about Kathy, you know, she had this no striving and this peace, but man, that lady had fire. She wanted to get, she wanted to get things done. And as I told you early before we even started this, I remember feeling nervous about telling her that I was even considering doing seven summits all those years back because I knew that the moment she saw any crack in me, that it would be over. I was going and there was no way around it. So I, I'm with you on this, no striving spiritually, but just this fire. And I think yeah. she found her match with you because the two of you created something that actually became a world record with all of these women and the most yeah. summits at one time of a female group. And then what was so beautiful is what you did not know is that 10 years later, this would continue on and it would take different shapes and forms, but it has that same DNA faith. And man, it's so cool. It's beautiful, really, really. Um, yeah, no, we we had no idea about ten years ahead. You know, at that moment, oh. that was it. <laughs> That's kind of why we're all saying, "Look what the Lord has done." Yeah. You know, because really, these things that continue on, it's outside of us. We just said the first yes. Some of us said a reluctant yes. That was me in the beginning. Now I just go, yes. Uh, some of us said a hearty yes like you without even asking any questions. But all of those things were seeds of faith that have now continued on. And just last week, Saria, we had a group 
that did a what we call just a regional challenge, a one day event in a in a common location. There were twenty women, many first time to Freedom Challenge, and I thought this was happening by passionate women because they care and they're building upon what happened 10 years ago. And God is so good. It just makes my heart do cartwheels. So I would like to go back to Mount Kilimanjaro climb 10 years ago. What was it like for you participating and leading on the trail? What did God reveal and do during this time in you, through you, around you? What was happening? You know, these, um, yeah, 48 women in total. So we ended up in four groups of 12. And lo and behold, I was a group leader of 12 people. And I was sitting in Africa. Um, people were dividing climbers into groups. And it was very well thought out. Although I had a question mark when the list finally got to me and I saw that I had the second oldest climber of 72 years in my group as well as the youngest climber of 18, I was like, this does not make sense. <laughs> Somebody somewhere made a calculation error and it wasn't. You know, I climbed, of course, walking trails, lots of them when I was a teenager, but it was 30 decades later so mm. I did not sign up with a lot of experience you know and somebody once described Kilimanjaro as a bit of a bully of a mountain and I can tell you we felt that bully of a mountain mm. but what was interesting that on the final day um, that this 72 year old always used her backpack you know uh, she seldom made use of a guide um, she had, we, we had a general guide we shared, but the 18-year-old, um, she had a back injury. And so she paid a porter to carry her back from day one. And I had the um, older climber right in front of me as we got to Gilman's. But she already, um, during the night, started to struggle with balancing issues. And eventually the medical doctor came for, from the front and she felt that she shouldn't continue. But before that, she refused to let go. She was going to climb and she was going to do it with her backpack on. <laughs> Eventually, one of the um, uh, uh, guides, you know, the porter stepped in and he said, no, ma'am. And he just absolutely took that bag from her shoulders. And I just saw such bravery, such mm. determination. I was absolutely blown away. Um and I often spoke to God about this because the 18-year-old was like, no, I've made Gilman's, I'm at the top, you know, this is it, I don't need to go on to Uhuru. And I asked God many questions about these two um, extremes that I had to somehow um, cope with during the five, six days. And he eventually broke open to me that the older climber had emotional stamina even physical endurance, because she has been on her life journey so much longer than the 18-year-old. There was a quiet strength. You know, mm. at stages when I struggled in my leadership and I we were all like, oh, you know, what decisions do we make as a little team? She was somebody I could 
trust to pray for me, to pray with me, and became a bit of a mentor to me. There was a quiet strength in her, and I did feel very insecure at some stages, very out of debt. And I came off that mountain, and I looked at my young teenagers, both the ones in my house and the ones that we were reaching out to as missionaries, and I looked at them differently. And I realized for the first time, they need so much more support than we can imagine. We think they've got youth on their side, and we think they are invincible, but they actually are asking for support. They asking for people to come alongside them. They find comfort in having mentors, people who care and love around them. And and it was just a picture that until today really helped me to be a better mum, I, th- I hope and pray mm-hmm. along the way, but just have much more compassion for young people growing up. And that is one one story that really st- there was lots of other lessons too mm-hmm. um I, I i had to learn personal things very very personal because god gave me psalm 64 verse 10 before we even climbed cease striving and know that i am god and as that medical doctor turned me around somewhere <laughs> between ilmans mm-hmm. and stella I realized this was God who came to put his hand on my shoulder to say there are other things more important. And for me, it was unfathomable. I was like, no, I've just failed, you know. I haven't completed what I'm supposed to set out to do. But there was another lesson I had to learn. And I came off that mountain. I bought J.I. Packers, knowing God, and Mm. I climbed into that book and it changed my life and and I and everything changed for me I feel as if it was the biggest breakthrough for me personally but on so many other levels um and so I love the freedom climb because far beyond the money that we raised far beyond the friendships that we built God came and he did a work in our lives, in my life, and I'm the better for it. I'm the richer for it, and I honor him because he met us on that mountain and all of us came off with a story mm. or two or three. Or, <laughs> yes, a- absolutely. To some of the points you just said, I just had a conversation about being mentally prepared and holding both tensions and outcomes already. Lord, I want to physically summit and I certainly want to spiritually summit and I surrender both of those to you. And there is this tension, right, that we hold where we don't paint the picture as we want it to be, but we surrender. Like there's a framework and we know that the Holy Spirit's going to build, you know, paint this picture inside of it. But there's a wrestling, mental challenge in wrestling. And I, and I, I as you say this, it, it, it actually makes me chuckle a little bit because I just did a, a sizable hike with some of the women going. 
And I said, you know, even before you come, yes, you're physically preparing, but the mental strength and the mental, like, Lord, both of these outcomes I am not in control of, but I'm walking with you as we do this challenge. And that's that's what God unfolded in you. And I pray, and I'll have you pray at the end of this time for all of the women as they're preparing for this October 10-year anniversary challenge that we are surrendering all of the pieces of this you know, this challenge to him and, and standing with our hands open for what God wants to put in them, which is quite often different than we thought. Yeah. Very quite. much so. Yes, very much so. So there's this legacy I've mentioned several times that you have left with the Freedom Challenge that is so lasting and really important. This work that begun is very important. It continues to be. Women being freed, women and children all around the world having an opportunity to have their dignity affirmed through good work that comes from the funds that women are raising. I want to honor that, you know, that contribution and how it continues on, but I would like to invite you into encouraging the women that are going to this anniversary challenge, what would you have to say? Oh, a great thank you for their availability. You know, it is a leap of faith. And no matter how well prepared we are, there is, it is a walk, not by sight. Um, but I also want to tell them to be strong. Kathy had fire, you know, that that fire. Be strong. Be faithful. Um, embrace the sisterhood. Oh, the memories of women um, has been unbelievable to me. Their stories have emboldened me. Their courage on the trail, their kindness um, changed my life, forged deep relationships um uh don't climb so hard mm. lean into god and the unforced rhythms of his grace mm. Mm. don't climb so hard that is a coinable <laughs> sentence i'm taking that with me <laughs> our time is coming to a close but would you share with our listeners a look what the Lord has done moment from your involvement with the Freedom Challenge? And I really actually have heard lots of those moments, but hey, give us a little capstone as we close out. I think the things that God birthed in the heart of his children, regardless of continents and cultures, done in unity and love for one another, will always stand the test of time. Well said. Big wisdom. Saria, would you just close out our time with praying? First of all, I'd like you to pray for me as the director of the Freedom Challenge and the group of women that are going in October for this 10-year anniversary and the continued work 10 years and beyond the transformational work in women's lives continuing on. 
Would you pray for us? Oh, it will be the, such a great honor, Tracy. My heart is just so full. And thank you for the wonderful privilege um, to, in a very small way, share in the excitement of this climb. So let's close our eyes, ladies, and let's pray. I just want to honor God. Lord Jesus, I want to honor you because truly from inception to maturity, you have just birthed the Freedom Climb, then the Freedom Challenge now. We see you, Lord, right from the beginning, just doing a new work. And Lord, it has been and it still is something beautiful. And Lord, as we hand over the baton in a new season, Lord, we thank you for new leaders emerging, new women who put their yes on the table. Lord, women that that you have equipped, that you lead. I honor you for Tracy, for her, her heart, Lord Jesus, for her willingness to take this further and beyond. I honor you for every woman who have signed up to climb on this 10-year anniversary climb. Lord, what a legacy they step into of ordinary women who have gone before them, but bravely so. And I pray for these women, for their time of preparation. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will meet with each one of them, with their families, with those that support them and love on them, with their prayer supporters, so that, Lord Jesus, they will, they will come down those mountains, Lord, with a each one of them with a testimony that as they were seeking God, as they were moving beyond their comfort zone, that that is where they found such joy, such purpose. And that, Lord, that their lives will change, the way they view the world will change. The lessons they have learned, Lord, will impact their families but their communities, both at home and as far as these funds go, Lord Jesus. We honour you for the teams that you put together, for the unity, because that is, Lord, in the end, this fellowship, this rich being together as sisters. Lord, by this they will know that we are your disciples. Oh. When they see this, when it is real, when one is tired, when people share their water, when people help one another, climb and advise and share. And thank you, Lord, for these moments to be on the mountain. We pray your protection on everyone and we honor you in the end, Lord, because you are the God who've started it and you are the God in the midst of it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So be it. Thank you so much, Surya, for joining me. And until next time, let's continue to do good by helping enslaved women and children do more than you ever thought physically possible and do it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world. God bless Freedom Sister. 
Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at the FCUSA, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.